Would you please stand for the reading of God's word in Luke 10, verses 1 through 11. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we will wipe off against you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. As we continue our journey through this series on joining Jesus on his mission, today we look at a foundational truth, that every follower of Jesus can join Jesus on his mission by participating in the missional party. When the topic of this sermon and its title was shared with the staff this week, the idea of the missional party elicited several different responses. One person said, there's not another event, is there? Coming off of the recent Harvest Festival and feeling a little tired related to that. Another staff member's response was, who's bringing the food? A third responded, it isn't December 15th already, thinking we were talking about our upcoming staff Christmas party. Rather... In line with the emphasis in this series, joining in the missional party is about being in the present moment with Jesus in the lives of others around us. I remember when I first received some inklings related to this, that the kingdom of God is a party. I was 17, uh, nearing the age of 18, when I had a more radical conversion in my life with Jesus. I'd already committed my life to Christ as a 10-year-old at a camp experience, but it kind of wandered away in my teen years. And I was at a prom, a a girl's prom. She was a senior. I was a junior. And I I just, what was the worst night of my life actually became the best night of my life. Because in the backyard of a raging party where there was a lot of drinking and a lot of things being smoked, I decided to rededicate my life to Jesus. And soon after, I got a hold of a book by Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo wrote a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party. And Campolo presented this image built off of Luke's gospel that one of the most central images of the kingdom of God is a party. Jesus was always telling stories about parties people were invited to. And most often the image was of the fact that it was unlikely people that were invited to the party. People that were usually left out or not first on the guest list. And yet those were the people that Jesus pursued and invited in to be a part of his kingdom and to be a part of the party. I think sometimes we miss out on this. Sometimes we think about, you know, parties being unique occasions that happen every once in a while. 
Sometimes, you know, we have those big moments in life that we celebrate. But what is presented in the scriptures is that life with Jesus is meant to be a party, a missional party, every day. Just this past Monday, I was at Walgreens looking for uh, something, and I stumbled upon one of our church members, and we got into a conversation. And he quickly recounted how glad he was and excited he was about the new mentoring relationship that we had helped link him up with and how much he enjoyed the person that was mentoring him, how they were getting into the gospel of Matthew, and it was the first time he had ever studied a gospel with somebody else. And as we were walking our way to the checkout aisle, the person turned to me and said, you know, I'm one of those who would be least likely that other people would think would ever come to have a relationship with God. And yet, I love Jesus, and I want to share more of my story with you soon. It was a wonderful experience to celebrate what God is doing in this person's life and also anticipate getting to hear more of his story. Later that afternoon, I went to pick up Levi at uh, Union Hill, and sometimes one of my simple missional practices is rather than stay in my car and stay in the car lineup, I park and I walk to pick him up, partly because I like to greet him with a big hug after he survived another day of sixth grade, but partly because it gives me lots of opportunities to talk with people. I saw a friend who's another uh, cross-country coach over in his car, and I wandered over and talked with him. And it soon became an opportunity to pray about a concern that my friend had right there and then. And if we've shared anything in this series, I want to remind you that most often people will receive prayer. They may not be ready for the four spiritual laws. They may not be ready for the full presentation of Jesus. But more often than not, they will be receptive if you ask them if you can pray for them, even in a public place like the car lineup at an elementary school. Soon I turned and saw a friend from Cash and Field, somebody who's attended our church a few times, and I did not yet know that her children attended the same school as Levi, and it led to a brief conversation. On Monday afternoon, between 1.30 and 3.30, even on my day off, it became a type of missional party. Notice that I didn't have to manufacture any of those encounters. There was no uh, appointment on my uh, calendar for that day to interact with any of those people. But God knew, and God had some appointments for me to participate in as long as I would look up and see what he was doing and join in his party. Luke wants us to know, in his gospel especially, that the kingdom of God is a party, and he is sending out people to extend party invitations. And he has a growing amount of people in this story that he's including, not only on the guest list, including the nations, not just the people of Israel, but he has a growing amount of people that are part of his party. People that not only are joining in, but people that are about extending the invitation. Just in a few chapters prior, Jesus sends out the 12, 12 people to go two by two to share the good news of the kingdom of God. But now he sends out 72. One of the interesting things is at the time, it was thought to be that there were 72 different nations in the the Near Eastern world. So when it says 72 multiplying 12 by 6, there is a sense that it's talking about reaching the nations through these people. 
That it wasn't just the people of Israel, but now Jesus was taking the next step on expanding the invitations to the missional kingdom of God, the missional party, and he was extending more people, inviting more people to be part of extending those invitations. What he tells them, he would tell us. We, would, we must tell others about the presence of the, and the coming of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is near present and available, but also advancing. That Jesus has come to the world to save sinners. And while Jesus was initially, his mission largely in his own time was to the people of Israel, the mission of today's church encompasses the entire world, reaching out to all kinds of people. And it starts with the people right around us in our lives. Acts 17.26 tells us, And God determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Have you ever thought about that? That in the midst of the course of history, in the midst of all the various spaces and places you could live your life, you are here right now in western Nevada County for this time and season, and God has a specific reason for you to be there, specific people to connect with, God, not you, has ultimately determined the exact place where you would now live and for what purpose he has chosen you to connect with in this exact place. His purpose, of course, is to redeem and restore all people, including the people in our neighborhood, those people who irritate us, those people who we might be prone to want to ignore. Those are the people, believe it or not, that God, in his plan and purpose, has a design for you to connect with and build a relationship with. So whether you arrived in your neighborhood a few years ago or a few days ago, you have not been too late to participate in what Jesus is up to in your neighborhood starting today. I was reminded of this just a few weeks ago. Uh, Beth and I have now lived in our neighborhood for 11 plus years. We've gotten to know some of our neighbors, others we don't know. But we were about to head out for uh, typical trick-or-treating on Halloween and going to one of the bigger neighborhoods. If you have kids my age, you know that Morgan Ranch, Cypress Hill, those are some of the biggies. Those, ta- those uh, neighborhoods get hit hard on Halloween. But I was reminded of something that actually came through on Caleb. The person said, don't forget your own neighborhood. While you're, out, you're headed out to those bigger neighborhoods for Halloween, there are actually some older people perhaps in your neighborhood who, they, who grew there, who raised their kids in that neighborhood, but now have moved on. And some of those neighborhoods don't have as many kids now. And there are actually people who are prepared, who have gotten a bunch of candy, not knowing whether there's going to be anybody who knock on their, knocks on their door, And you might just be the only person that they connect with that night. So while we were on our way to meet some friends in one of those bigger neighborhoods, we made a point of stopping by and visiting with some of our neighbors. Levi got a whole bucket of candy dumped into his bucket because that neighbor said, you're likely to be the only one who comes, so here you go. Uh, The kids scored. More candy than he knew what to deal with just by one visit. But the delight on our neighbor's face, the questions that they asked about Levi, made that encounter all worth it. 
We never know who uh, God is calling us to connect with exactly. And I want to remind us that our neighborhoods are certainly not confined to the places we call home. God has put us in a variety of places where we regularly are within reach of the same people, work, school, places where we volunteer and play. However, if we are going to learn how to join Jesus on his mission, our neighborhood is a logical place to start. Which brings us to the main question of this message. How do we start? How do we join what Jesus is doing in our neighbors' lives if we don't even know their names? One idea that Greg Finke presents in his book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, is simply to have a party. Invite your neighbors so they can get to know one another and you can show them hospitality. As we get to know people through such gatherings, what we anticipate is that Jesus is already taking care of and advancing his own mission in their lives. We just need to find out how and join him. So our job really is simple. All we have to do is to get to know and start to enjoy the people he has placed around us and be in position to seek, recognize, and respond to what he is up to in their lives. Neighboring is just about building proactive relationships with people, fostering community and friendship between the neighbors where we live and work and play. Now, if missional is about, you know, a religious gathering, worship gathering, just like we're having today, then some might say that the mission of God isn't so much a party. But the reality is that any party can be filled with the purpose of connecting with people on God's mission, not just our worship services, which I do see as a party. You see, any space and place infused with the presence of Jesus before we got there but recognized and celebrated by us can be that space and place where Jesus is sending us to connect with people for him. It can happen at Walgreens. It can happen in the lineup at school. It can happen at a cross-country race. It can happen connecting with uh, various service people. For instance, uh, we have an economy pest control come to uh, our house And just a few weeks ago, I did a graveside service for Greg Nunnick. And the person who comes and does our pest stuff, sprays our area, is connected to a Nunnick because everybody is connected to a Nunnick in western Nevada County. And soon it led to a conversation about the gospel and how that person needed to return to church sometime soon, where they had been wandered away for some time. You never know where those opportunities might arise. So where, what are we called to do? What we see in the passage is the Lord makes his disciples messengers of the king. In other words, we are the ones to get the invitations to the party out. The Lord appointed 72 others. Stop there and just say, the Lord. He is the one, sovereign and in control. He is the one who has the appointments already planned in his appointment book, so to speak, for us to connect with his people And he is the one who appoints people to go. Do you see yourself as somebody appointed by the Lord Jesus Christ to be on a missional adventure every day of your life? If not, you should. The Lord wants you to be one of those going out for him as the Lord of heaven and earth to extend the invitations to the kingdom of God. He wants you to be a part of his party planning, so to speak. 
And he sends us out, it says, two by two. Jesus designated a group of 72, but he also paired them up to go. Why? Because extending party invitations is much better done in community. And being together gives us encouragement and strength when some people reject the invitations to the party. Sometimes one person might be in a place of weakness, and the other person might be in a place of celebration. But in the process, there's community and connection as you go, and you can stay in place of, places of encouragement uh, more often than not when you're doing so in community. Bill Hull says that sent them, Jesus sent them out two by two, and that smaller duo gives both people the opportunity to fully utilize their gifts. A team of two offers a positive opportunity for personal closeness. It's much easier to develop a trusting relationship with just one other person than it is with several others. Another positive characteristic is the accountability factor. A person alone is open to many more temptations than when there is someone to whom we must answer and we must be accountable. We need the encouragement from fellow followers of Jesus on this missional journey if we are going to be good inviters and if we are going to stay encouraged. Uh, as many of you know, we are celebrating something in the Griffin household. Uh, Josh uh, completed his goal yesterday and has made it to the state cross-country meet uh, here in a couple weeks. So you can tell him congratulations when you see him. But the bigger part of the story is having gotten tripped by somebody, passed by 20 people, when only the top 10 actually make it, and getting up and actually finishing the race in a place where he would go. Part of why he got up was a teammate who had to jump over him to get past him, but yelled out, Josh, get up and go. Josh got up and go, went, and the good news in that story is that he and his friend who encouraged him both qualified. So now over the next two weeks before they prepare to run the state championships, they'll get to do it together, not alone. They'll get to encourage each other as they run their 40 or 50 miles a week. These crazy guys do. But we need that type of encouragement, don't we? When we've been knocked down by somebody who's moving forward and following their goal, which is similar to our goal, to invite people into the kingdom, and we need people to travel with and to train with when life gets tough. What Jesus equipped the 72 with was both his presence... He is Lord and his appointment to go, but also community. And you have been appointed. You have been planned for. You have been given invitations to extend to the kingdom of God to others. But you've also been given a community around you in order to support you and encourage you on this journey. To keep our vision set high on what God is doing and how he is present in the lives of the people around us. How do we do that? We try not to be in a hurry and get on to the next thing and miss moments. We try to be present with the people who are before us because Jesus is present to the people who are before us. We try to put aside the extra things swirling around in our mind and take a deep breath and relax and be present with the person in front of us. That attitude and mindset makes all the difference, especially if you're somebody like me because my mind's always going. I'm always thinking about what is next. And I have to push pause on that myself to be present with the people that God has put before me. But it happens. About 9 o'clock on Monday night, 
I got a call from a member of our church who was facing a crisis. Life had been turned upside down for him. And yet listening over the phone and then preparing to take a walk through our neighborhood cemetery this last week gave opportunity to process what he was going through and hopefully find hope that God is still at work in his life and still has good plans and purposes for him, even in the midst of the hardship he was facing. We need to open ourselves to the kinds of questions that Jesus would ask us to explore. Who are the people around us? What is Jesus already up to in their lives, and how can we join him there? The 72 who are sent out ahead of Jesus to prepare for Jesus' visit to several towns were called as missionaries, and no doubt their excitement was high. But most important, they were going in God's strength and with God's mission. When you go out to build relationships in your schools and workplaces and in various environments, do not forget that God is the one who gives you the strength, and he is the one who has given you the message. You already have those things to build upon. I love the image that is here under the scriptures uh, that Jesus is sending out these 72 as what we would call heralds. They're his advanced people. They're the ones that are called to go out and introduce others to him in every town and place where he was about to go. Like a rabbit riding a bike on the front of a cross-country race, we are meant to go out before the crowds and the people ahead to let them know that someone is coming. And notice that Jesus was sending them to places he was going to be and where he was going to go. He does the same with us today. We are not going out into spaces and places where Jesus is not present. Rather, we are going out to spaces and places where he has preceded us and where he will continue to be at work, just as he was in the lives of his disciples. The point Jesus makes in these instructions of appointing people and sending them out to the various towns was that he was going to be present in those places and he was giving them power and authority to carry out his work. And that in fact, those who receive us receive Jesus and those that receive him receive the one who sent him, we're told in Matthew 10.40. In other words, think of this identity How people respond to you and how people respond to the message of Jesus is how they're responding to Jesus and to God's invitation themselves. You are actual representatives of Jesus, whether you realize it or not. And being sent out in his name, you can make a difference for the kingdom of God as a forerunner for the Lord, setting up things for his ministry, helping to follow through on the invitations that have been given. Whether we like it or not, this does involve risk, (laughs) and risk uh, follows us and and precedes us whether we like it or not. You never know what you might face each day, but taking risks and following up on risky opportunities is part of discipleship, isn't it? It's speaking up when you're afraid to. It's serving even when it's hard. It's coming alongside people that other people have counted out and given up on. It's about being a part of God's kingdom invitation because he invited you. And you didn't deserve that invitation either. Neither did I. The Lord is the one who appoints us. The Lord is the one who empowers us and sends us out. And he is the one that puts us in the various specific spaces and places that we live. The Lord also tells them and tells us about the harvest. 
he says that the harvest is plentiful. Contrary to what we might think about western Nevada County, Jesus looks at it and says, this harvest is plentiful. He also comments that the workers are few. There are few people engaged in the mission of God, and he wants us all to be involved in it. But rather than go first ourselves, he says to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. This is first and foremost about prayer and asking God to empower us and God to provide more and more people to go before it is going ourselves. We are to pray for more laborers, pray for more people to be willing to work in the harvest. God has enough work to do for everyone. So no believer should sit back and watch others work because the harvest is great and Jesus invites us to join him. Recall that earlier in this series of messages in interaction with the disciples following his encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus said, do not say four more months and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So we shouldn't say, well, you know, somewhere down the road. I'll build a relationship with that neighbor or friend. Sometime at a family gathering, I'll be willing to speak up at Thanksgiving or Christmas. No, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful now, and we are to ask him to send harvesters into the field. But then recall that just even as we ask, he says, go. Notice the two commands. Ask the Lord of the harvest, and therefore, go into the harvest. We are to ask Jesus to send out workers into the harvest field, but we are to see ourselves as part of the answer to our own prayers, being willing to go on Jesus' behalf and join him in what he is doing in the lives of people around us. He is the Lord of the harvest. He tells us about the harvest, that it is plentiful, and he sends us out into the harvest. It's hard news to hear, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, Because, like lambs among wolves, we can feel vulnerable. We can feel the challenge of witnessing in an adverse environment and climate. The more our culture seems to turn in a godless direction, the more we may feel vulnerable about sharing the good news of Jesus. But remember, friends, he's not calling you to be a lamb among wolves apart from what he's already doing. He was already the lamb who was slain for our sins. He's already run the race and won. He's already accomplished the victory over sin and Satan. All we have to do is join him in his victory party, being sent out to proclaim that good news, that Jesus has already won, and there's already a party taking place in heaven, and each person we encounter is somebody who could be on the guest list of the kingdom of God. I don't want to be someone who counts people out I don't want to be somebody who doesn't extend good invitations to the kingdom because God decided to welcome me and invite me and he, invited, he decided to welcome and invite you. So who are we to decide who should be on that guest list or not? Rather, we need to turn that over to God but participate in the process of going, making disciples and making the good news known. Sometimes we think that must mean a lot of equipment uh, or things that we need to sort of have in our tool belts to be ready for this missional adventure. But in contrast, Jesus says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Jesus says, don't encumber yourself with a lot of stuff. Rather go. 
Go like a lamb, vulnerable, humble, but open to relationship and open to experience God's empowerment and protection. He's the good shepherd. And he's promised to be with us through all the journeys that we are on. He asks us to pray and depend on him like our lives depended upon it because they do. We're not guaranteed life or breath tomorrow, but we are given today. Instead of filling our lives with a lot of various consumer goods, a lot of various things in life, we're to travel light and to follow Jesus, to not become distracted by various things in life, but to keep pace with him. Don't take extra stuff, he says, but stay focused on the mission that I've given you. But also be ready. Be ready to extend my peace in the places that you are called to go, extending peace to the homes we enter into, extending peace to the people that we connect with. And he says, look for a people of peace. Who are those people of peace in your life? People that may not yet know Jesus, but they, they have a certain peace about them. They have a certain openness to them. Sometimes, again, it's a service worker that we connect with in the checkout line. There's a gal at Safeway that even though I still have not figured out how to access my digital coupons, will help me with that every time I go, even though I feel stupid every time I go. I know that ice cream will only tell, cost me $2.69 by what this digital coupon says, but I have no idea how to access it. That's okay, she says. Let me help you with that. All of a sudden, my ice cream is $2 less. I'll go to her aisle every time if she's going to give me $2 off on my ice cream. There are other people that we encounter in the various places in our life. There are people of peace out there, but we're also called to come and extend Christ's peace in those relationships, to be present to people with the Prince of Peace, Jesus, flowing through us, making the difference in those relationships. And then there's this great invitation on the missional journey. He says it's often about food and, and being willing to put what's, uh, eat what's put in front of you. To stay in one place, he said. And, and we know culturally especially that you know, eating what's put in front of you is a big deal on missional journeys around the world. But it's also true right where we are. Being present to people and what they have to offer us and being willing to receive what they have to offer in meals and times of community and connection opens the door to receptivity. And when he says stay in one place and don't, you know, uh, look around for a better place to stay, he's basically saying don't offend the people that have given you hospitality, but stay there. Build relationships. Get to know people. Learn to love those people. And he says, while you're there, heal the sick. Pray for people. Because people have a variety of sicknesses, be it physical or spiritual, that need healing. And one of our primary weapons, as we well know, as we've talked about, is prayer. Pray as you go, as you counter people. Pray for people and pray that God's work in their lives continues long after you have been there. Extend Christ's peace and be a person of prayer and you will again and again see Jesus and his kingdom show up and there will be a continued party. Because as Jesus tells us, 
The kingdom of God is near. Friends, it's, friends, it's not far away. It's not distant. It's not off in some other feathery realm. It's actually here and now, present and among us, even inside of those who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when we know that, we will encounter Christ's peace. But we're not meant to just hold on to that peace ourselves. We're meant to ask that question, who are the people around us? You see, over time, neighboring allows us to answer key missional questions again about the people God has put near us. Who are these people? What is Jesus already up to in their lives? And how can I join him? How can we be prepared to participate in the party of the kingdom of God, but also extend good party invitations? You see, when we do, we'll be like the returning disciples. It says the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submitted themselves to your name. The passage presents a party that Jesus celebrated with his returning disciples. It's not that they had everything together. It's not that, you know, everybody that they encountered were healed or were receptive to Jesus' party invitation. But many were, and many did, and they had something to celebrate. And ultimately, the results are up to God anyway. What we're called to do is continue that party and continue that invitation to celebrate that the kingdom of God is a party, not just that awaits us in heaven one day, but that the kingdom of God is meant to be a party that we participate in every day. Amen?